Welcome to the Mrs. Podcast, a podcast dedicated to exploring the diversity of experiences in Black womanhood. From education to spirituality, we will discuss topics relevant to Black women in today's society. I'm Miss Turquoise. And I'm Miss Lavender. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the show. show we back. I say we back. Yes, we are. Yes, we are here and we got something to say. Yeah, we do. <laughs> the Mrs. Podcast is officially a political correspondent. Okay. <laughs> um, we have a real good show for y'all. It was it's a real important show. We're about to drop it right now. Yeah. So we just gonna do a little piece of melanin popping. Yeah. And then we have a real important Exciting interview for us coming the, up. The important. VVV asterisk star radio alarm. <laughs> Let's go. Miss. I know y'all heard the news. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. So we in World War Three? No. <laughs> well <laughs> that news are like other news. <laughs> like Hide your kids. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, I feel like that's perpetual. That's perpetually the news. Is it that we're in World War Three? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. Prayers out to <laughs> prayers out to all our homies in Ukraine. Prayers out to them, dog. Like that's good luck. Crazy. I didn't even know. Blessings. Bless Hope y'all stay safe. Um, but over here, stateside, we about to have our first Black Lady Supreme Court justice. Okay. A black lady courtroom. A black lady courtroom. Okay. Okay, you know it if you know it. But you know it if you know it. You had to you had to have been there. You had to be there. But um Yes, miss, on Friday was it? The White House? Uh, yeah. President Joseph Biden. He announced that we're about to have Katanji Brown Jackson. Well, she's nominated to serve on the U.S. Supreme Court. Ayy. Snap, 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 snap. Y'all better get it right now. It's Katanji with an I. Mm-hmm. Okay. Miss, I love that for us. What about her? Yeah. So, um, Judge uh, Brown Jackson is, she's currently serving on the U.S. Um, the U.S. Court of... Uh, appeals for the D.C. Circuit, which is like the court just underneath the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. It's where like they go to like get where they when they want more Supreme Court justices, they like go to that court to get them. That's where um, I like beer and <laughs> uh, Handmaid's Tale. That's like well, that's where they came from. They don't um, speak for me, okay? <laughs> so um, she so just a little bit. A little bit about her background she came uh, she graduated from um, Harvard for undergraduate and she graduated from Harvard Law so undergraduate she graduated magna cum laude graduate from Harvard Law she graduated cum laude and then she was also the editor of the Harvard Law Review which um, if y'all remember former mm-hmm. um, former POTUS mm-hmm. um, Barack Hussein Obama was also editor of the Harvard Law Review. So, yes, he was. Um, apparently, 
editors of Harvard Law Review go on to do big, important things. <laughs> um, that's what I got from that. Um, I don't even know what all that entails, to be honest. I don't either. Like, I didn't go there. So. I, didn't, I didn't go there. <laughs> I wasn't um, vegan, so hey. So, um, if y'all go on whitehouse.gov slash K- KBJ, mm-hmm. um, the uh, Robinette's administration does a whole, like a... <laughs> Like an info sheet about her, and so they just kind of talk about her background, her apparently her parents, um, like her parents went to segregated schools, but also like Mm -hmm. went on, like her dad went on to become a lawyer, and so, um, so she comes from, you know, folks who overcame a lot of obstacles in order to, you know, you get to see the uh, successful basic girls like me are appreciating her hair progression like her hair journey okay this okay. <laughs> listen we I'm liking the these sister locks yeah, to be completely the honest crack to the sister locks okay like, I, they look really good they do and I'm sure it takes a long time to do Oh yeah, sister locks. Oh yeah, Fair yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But shout out to her. Shout out to her. She was um, so Justice Breyer is the one who's retiring, and she mm-hmm. was um, his clerk. So, um, we'll be you know we'll be watching her like the process, like the confirmation process. If they don't run this through like they ran handmade through, like oh my gosh, tables are getting flipped over. Then she was like they interviewed her for all of an hour or and whatever. She was really and then for her. like not taking notes and like just sitting there with a blank piece of paper. Like they voted for this. Their their her confirmation was an hour long. It was a two sham. seconds after our our PG was in the ground. It like, was a complete sham. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Anyway, uh, the Mrs. <laughs> the Mrs. Uh, podcast political correspondence will be and judicial watch. Okay. Uh, <laughs> judicial we'll watch. This. Okay. <laughs> correspondence <laughs> will be uh, watching her confirmation hearing, and I guess we'll report back. We absolutely will. They um, better not be awful to her. They better not because they let that go fast lady get up there. She didn't even really answer the questions they asked her I remember um, our vice president was going ham on her and she was like I don't know I don't know I don't know whatever my paper's blank like no they better rush her through like I don't care what Mitch McConnell or none of them have to say Mm-mm. they better rush her through with the quickness yeah like I don't it wanna... better last two hours or yeah. less yeah I don't want no mess I don't want no drama I'm talking to you mansion <laughs> cinema Get in order. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, Miss, Miss, I'm going to be devastated if they draw this out, but my spirit tells me that they are. They better not. The Republicans <laughs> are going to try it. They are. Oh, yeah, they, they absolutely are going to try it. What's but I just that? need... Susan Collins or whoever? The Democrats better be in formation. That's all I got to say. Ugh. Anyway, Miss, speaking about formation... um, Everybody in Texas better get information for Tuesday. Mm-hmm. A primary, Texas primary for all our 2022 elections for state governor, state house, state senate, mm-hmm. board of education, railroad commission, the whole lot. Everybody's all up of for the election. Yeah. Um, 
We have the very special. Are you still pissed about being froze last year? <laughs> I am. We're talking to you. Get, get Greg out of his ass out of there. <laughs> Are you pissed about them insisting that in the middle of August you should turn your AC down to 85 at night? <laughs> We're talking to you. We're talking to you. Did it come out this week that he told ERCOT to like charge people the highest amount? Oh, yeah. 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 He's fully corrupt. Fully. Um, and Dan Patrick and Kim Paxton, they're all just as evil. Kim so. Paxton should be in jail. He should be in jail How's already. He not in jail. And Dan Patrick said, sacrifice y'all grandmas for the stock market. So, mm-hmm. you go vote for them? I, miss, I know listeners of this show are not that ridiculous. So, no. we don't have to worry about that. But other people get it together because we don't want yeah. that. I'm sick of it. They have to go. Yeah. They anyway, do. Miss. We have a candidate, the candidate, our candidate for mm-hmm. Texas District, Texas House District 147, Aurelia Wagner. Mm-hmm. She came to give us a very special interview. And we're going to take a quick break and get into that. That's how you feeling. Sounds good to me. All right. Let's take a break and we'll come back with Aurelia. Okay, everyone, we have a very, very special interview today we wanted to bring to y'all. We have with us Aurelia Wagner. She's candidate for District 147 for the Texas State House here in the Houston area. Welcome, Aurelia. Welcome, Aurelia. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Miss Turquoise and Miss Lavender. I'm excited to be on y'all's show and um, reach, you know, a broader base of uh, hopefully residents, but people in general um, and and, uh, Texans that are going to make it out to the polls to vote for whichever candidate they believe is the best. On Tuesday, Super Tuesday. So our primary is this coming up Tuesday, March 1st. Early voting ended yesterday. By the time we record this, yeah, yesterday, early Mm -hmm. voting will be over. Yeah, early voting was... um, it was hectic, you know, every day after work, I was going to the polls mm-hmm. to a different location. And um, I'm sorry, I was just getting a call. I'm sorry, guys. No, um, I don't know if you can edit that out. Um, every day no after going to the polls and, um, you know, it was hectic this week, especially because it was so cold outside in Houston. But, um, yeah. but we, we made it do what it do. And <laughs> my grassroots campaign we are meeting voters exactly where they are, you know, so we had to be out there. And so in spite of the cold and the rain, um, we were out there reaching voters. That's good. That sounds good. We need everybody to show up for this one. Oh, yes. There are some, there are some key, um, key opportunities for progressive candidates to make it into office. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we've got to get like, okay, Greg Abbott, obviously, Governor Abbott, gotta go. Gotta go. Gotta go. Good day, sir. Um, but then also, like the lieutenant governor, like Dan Patrick, and even the different commissioners, you know, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. regulate um, that regulate all across Houston, land commissioner, railroad, um, mm-hmm. agriculture. All of those folks are are um, all of those positions are on the ballot, and so I believe in progressive candidates um, that are going to really look out for struggling people, for working people, for frankly poor people. Um, who do not have a voice in, frankly, any any part of our Texas government. Yeah. 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 
And Ken Paxton got to go too. Yep. Oh yes, good day, Attorney Ken Paxton. That I that I like in that um, Democratic race for mm-hmm. Attorney. Um, but whoever you know, I, I'm going to be behind whatever candidates make it through the Democratic primaries. Um, especially those who are um, progressive Democrats, like myself. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 So to <laughs> kind of, um, I'm sorry, Miss. Were you gonna? No, no, no. Go ahead. No, I was gonna. Um, I was gonna ask Aurelia if you wouldn't mind sharing, like, who who is Aurelia? Um, you know, where are you from? A little bit about about your background. I got you. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I just want to say thank y'all so much for having me on the show. So my name is Aurelia Jeanette Wagner. I'm 32 years old. I have lived in Houston for half of my life. I got here when I was 16. I was born and raised in Sacramento, California. My dad was in the air force. So I was born at Mather air force base in Sacramento. And then, um, and then I stayed there for some time, hopped around between California and Ohio when my dad was in the military. Uh, but then ultimately my mother and my brother and I, we moved here in um, 2005 when I was a junior in high school. And so I've been here ever since. I went to Texas Southern University um, where I got my bachelor's in public affairs. And then I moved on to get my master's in public administration with a concentration in public policy. Um, I've been an educator for about 10 years, teaching everything from um, early childhood education, working with infants um, as early as six weeks, all the way up to fifth grade. I've also been a math specialist um, at, you know, at various campuses. And um, I've worked for Houston Independent School District. And I love kids. Um, my partner and I, Alicia, we've been together for five years. And we purchased a home together about three years ago in South Park. So that's- Congratulations. Oh, thank you. What, um, what made you want to be a teacher? Or at least to, 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 um, to go into education. Yeah. Well, I've always loved kids. Even when I was a kid myself, I loved working with, um, you know, with younger people. I loved being a mentor. Um, my two neighbors, um, when I moved to Houston, um, I started babysitting my neighbors, uh, Brianna and Morgan, they lived right next door. And I mean, it's crazy now, um, they actually came to, they came to one of our get togethers at the house and they're grownups now. And it was mm-hmm. so crazy. Like, because I just remember like, I mean, I was 16 at the time, um, but they were like 10 and eight. And then, so to see them in like their mid twenties is like, yeah. crazy. Um, um, but anyway, yeah. So I've loved kids and um, I, I was working at a preschool when I was in um, undergrad and part of graduate school. Um, and I really wanted to work with early childhood education, six weeks to like four years old. Um, but unfortunately, um, to be a teacher, to be a hands-on teacher with kids that age, um, it, it just wasn't lucrative. It wasn't financially, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it just didn't make sense financially. So I went ahead and got my um, teaching certificate so that I could uh, be a certified teacher in a school district and make a more reasonable amount of money. I think it is ridiculous how this nation um, views and treats people who work with um, anyone who is under, you know, the age of the grade level of kindergarten, you know, sure. uh, 
these these people who work in early childhood education, they're literally laying the foundation mm -hmm. for social, emotional, academic success for these little people. Um, and many of them are living below the poverty line. Mm -hmm. um, at the time I was in grad school and in undergrad. So, you know, I didn't have very many expenses. I didn't have a mortgage and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. But at the time I was literally making like $20,000 a year. Um, yeah. And, you know, trying to live on that and trying to start a family. It just, you know, it wasn't going to, it, for the long run, I couldn't do it. Um, yeah. So yeah. I went in, you know, I decided to be a certified teacher. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's an entire, we could do a whole uh, kind of podcast episode on how woefully underfunded early childhood educators, like education is period. And then yeah. the educators are like completely like, they're just, they're nowhere near, um, the pay scale for early childhood education is nowhere near like the um, K-12 or, you know, so anyway, I'm going to hop off of that horse. And um, um, so you went to Texas Southern University and um, your bio says that you studied with um, Dr. Freeman, who is TSU's kind of renowned um debate coach could you tell us a little bit about that what yeah. was it like studying with dr freeman so um i was on the debate team in undergrad and um i was a part of the sigma pi alpha uh, forensic and dialectical symposium um, did i did um parliamentary debate and uh poetry and prose and it's really where i um where I learned the art of public speaking, where, mm -hmm. I be where I became more confident in, you know, having conversations with strangers or just talking about current events. Um, Dr. Freeman was a living legend at the time. And, you know, he's, he's been gone now for about two years, but his legacy continues at Texas Southern. Um, uh, after I left undergrad and I was there at Texas Southern for my uh, master's program, I was um, able to serve as an assistant coach and so I went with the team on various debate tournaments. Um, we traveled together to uh, Paris, France for the international debate tournament uh, where, our, where my students, you know, tore it up. Um, mm -hmm. And so that was just a really great time in my life where I got to, um, where I got to see Black students from the other side, from the other side of the lens of being, you know, I got to see the full transition of me being a student myself and mm -hmm. then. Um, and then helping students that came that came after me. Even now, um, my mom actually she's getting her PhD from University of uh, Saint Thomas. Oh, that's and, wonderful. Yeah, and she's working with the TSU debate team, doing some of her um, doing some of her practicum hours because she's getting her her PhD in communication. Yeah, so um, that's wonderful experience. Yeah, and. Um, Dr. We, we lovingly call her Dr. Glow, but Dr. Gloria Batiste Roberts, she is the head coach for Texas Southern and she's still doing amazing things with the mm -hmm. team. Um, and so if anybody is listening and you want to, you know, contribute and help the team continue to do great things, please um, give a call to Texas Southern University's debate team and figure out how you can make a financial contribution. So that was a shameless plug. Excellent. We support that. We do. 100%. <laughs> like if yeah. you want to give us, um, send us a link to something we can share, we'll absolutely do that. Absolutely. I will do When we're done, I will make sure that I send that information over to y'all. Thank you for that. 
Um, so before we kind of go into make a, a transition to talk about kind of why you're going into or, or what you're looking to accomplish going into public office, just a little bit more about you. What do you what are some things that you like to do in your free time? Do you have any hobbies or? Oh, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love being outside. Um, I am. I, I'm sure that there's like a Facebook group, but like the Facebook group for black girls who camp or black girls who hike. Mm. Um, I have a mountain bike and uh, my partner and I, we love to go bike riding. We love to go camping. Um, I haven't done like full scale rock climbing yet, um, but I would love to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a dog whose name is Albus. And so he comes with us on all of our adventures um, actually a few months ago, we road tripped, um, in our Jeep and we went to, um, Northern New Mexico to go camping, mm. um, just the two of us. And I mean, it was beautiful. I, I could have stayed out there for the rest of my life, like on some into the wild type stuff, <laughs> but yeah, that's what I, that's really what I like to do. I love being outside in nature. I'm an introvert actually. Um, and so I would honestly rather be by myself or with a very close-knit group of friends um just enjoying um enjoying the you know mother nature mm-hmm. yeah yeah i'm I right there with you, you i heard you mention aurelia that your dog is named albus is that albus after one albus dumbledore <laughs> you know it is <laughs> i'm and when people tell me when people you know about my age and I'm talking about Harry Potter and then they'll say oh you know basically they allude to like they don't know anything about it or oh you're one of those I go where were you when we were like 11 12 years old when the movie uh-huh. was out right like nine years old and the books were coming out or yeah. like walk to the public library in Sacramento to go get the the cassette tape of the audio of that's right come on <laughs> where were y'all at so anyway yes my dog is named albus dumbledore from, Fair from enough. much appreciated yeah yeah i said i said dumbledore in my head after he said his name was albus yep that is uh. <laughs> okay um now aurelia would you mind sharing um who or what inspired you to run for public office? Really, um, I got tired of, whew, okay, this is a multifaceted question. Mm. So I'm a, take your time, I'm a, take your time. Yeah, yeah, it's okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, so, you know, I'm an educator and um, mm-hmm. worked with, with kids of all ages um, in lots of different socioeconomic backgrounds, but specifically in lower income um, urban neighborhoods. Like for mm-hmm. example, I worked at Peck elementary school for the longest for six years. I worked at Wesley elementary school, which is, um, in acres homes, um, shout out to acre shakers. Um, but anyway, so I have been working with students, um, in low income neighborhoods, black mm-hmm. and indigenous children of color, um, who sometimes don't have all the resources they need to be successful. I literally had students that I had to buy baby wipes for because they didn't have running water. Mm. Um, I, I, I've been on the phone and talked to parents face-to-face that have been in tears because they did not have the $10 fee to pay for whatever field trip we were about to go on, you know, and, and so that their baby could go. Um, 
And it was because these people were making seven twenty five an hour, you know, and, mm-hmm. and they were, yeah. you know, just horrible, uh, dilapidated homes and terrible conditions. Um, and honestly, I got tired of seeing the kids that I cared about living in those conditions. And, um, and I wanted to help them and help their parents be able to have better lives. And I'm, I just got tired of like waiting for, you know, the, the saviors that we, we think are our saviors, um, in the political realm, in the, in the government to come and save us. But the fact of the matter is we keep electing the same doctors, lawyers, CEOs, Mm -hmm. real estate you know, executives and developers thinking that, oh, well, they're going to have our best interests at heart when ultimately they end up going to Austin or DC or whatever, or wherever, right. They go up there and they protect their own vested interests. Mm-hmm. They cut bills and, and, and sign their name on documents and policies that end up only benefiting themselves and their donors and the lobbyists. Yeah. Nobody is fighting for working Texans. Nobody is fighting for low income, black and indigenous uh, people of color. And nobody is fighting for poor people. Yeah. And so that's why I decided to run. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes sense to me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And we need more of that. Like, yeah. If we even just look at what's going now with like COVID and how it was handled to lessen the blow for like corporations, but not trying to protect human life, like it's, emblematic of everything you just said like they're just trying Mm -hmm. to protect their own interests Mm -hmm. well yeah and we we even have (laughs) elected officials who are um you know they're okay they they said that your your grandparents are okay it's okay for them to go out and die right as long as the economy is still running right so exactly um so just to kind of um piggyback off of that are there um, are there concerns in House in Texas House District 147 specifically that you're, or are there uh, specific issues or challenges in um, House District 147 that you are interested in um, in kind of tackling specifically? Yes, um, I mean a, a plethora of issues. Um, so voting rights has been attacked in, in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, basically anything that worked for progressive candidates and, um, and Democrats, frankly, was put on the chopping block. Yep. Uh, Republicans, right. So they'll, I mean, they stop, they will stop at nothing to suppress our votes. Right. We see yeah. that um, drive through voting works for us. I mean, not only because it was, you know, we were in a literal global pandemic, but also because like, it just works, right? It's convenient. Yeah. For folks. Why, why, what in somebody's right mind would make them say, you know what? No, people shouldn't be able to drive through vote. Who was it hurting? But yeah. the thing is, um, progressive, um, being able to vote that kind of way, convenient ways, benefits Democratic candidates because those voters, generally, dem- generally Democrats live in more urban neighborhoods. And those urban neighborhoods like Dallas and Houston, they were the ones putting putting forth like really progressive ways to get people to get out and vote. Mm-hmm. And so we see that like the things that were working in um, in metropolitan areas in Texas, those are the things that were attacked. Um, and so we've got to have really strong representatives in Austin that are going to stand up 
on whatever so I mean, doesn't matter how tall the soapbox is, even if you don't give me one, I'm going to stand up and call out this hypocrisy, just blatant hypocrisy and a lack of um, of respect for for low income people, for black and indigenous people of color, for um, for people who really want progress. Um, it just doesn't make any sense. Additionally, Senate Bill eight, um, you know, that's the Texas heartbeat act. Um, right. it, it puts a ten thousand dollar bounty um, plus attorney fees on anyone who yeah. aids one in having an abortion after the, you know, the six week, um, the six week mark. Um, and, and basically, um, what this is, is for undocumented people, for poor people in Texas that may not have the means to travel to another state to get a safe abortion, um, they're going to still seek one. Right. And so we know that they're going to end up having an unsafe abortion, um, and not only that, it reminds us of the American Fugitive Act, where vigilantes, um, you know, white vigilantes back in the day, when they saw any black person, they were they were basically deputized to be able to um, to round up uh, black people for right. you know, for for seeking freedom. Um, and so it's 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 really just a modern day um, fugitive slave act um, to prevent people from being able to, um, you know, from being able to um, utilize their human right to decide what to do with their bodies. Right. That's real. Yeah. I appreciate you for saying that. Because, Miss, you know, we have been frantically discussing SB8 over here. Mm -hmm. To put it in the context of the fugitive, you know, fugitive enslaved and like, the whole bounding system is so gross. And like, just thank you for saying that. Like, <laughs> yeah, Ugh. I hadn't made that yeah. connection, but it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it, it's wow. It's a because gross justice. It's gross because you know, like a certain section of the population is still gonna need to get an abortion, but like you said, they'll have the funds to travel to wherever they need to go in order to you know take care of themselves like but the kids parents you know the kids who worked at the schools the kids who went to the schools you worked at and like even people in my own life like wouldn't be able to just up and go and do that you know Mm -hmm. yeah most definitely um and you know the thing is even even uh before roe v wade um abortions were a practice of the privileged mm-hmm. right Poor ever had the ability to get a safe abortion you know right. and when it was illegal um affluent people they would send their kids their daughter their niece whomever they would send them to the best doctors in the land mm-hmm. you know to get a safe abortion meanwhile you know black and indigenous women and low-income women were forced to go to you know the lady down the street right right anyway but uh um, i know, I know. yeah it, I it's know. enough in enrage you but um but additionally one of the um one of the issues that really um i stand firm on is um how charter schools are literally sucking the resources from real public schools yeah and real public schools, I mean, democratically elected boards mm-hmm. um, that are accountable to the people. 
See, charter schools have fooled everyone into thinking that they're this um, shiny um, gem of hope here and there in the neighborhood. Okay? Right. right. And like your, like your KIPs and your Yes Preps and your this whatever academy, they're taking public resources. They are, um, you know, enrolling students and students that are English language learners, students that have behavior issues, um, students that have emotional issues. When they get to a point where they're like, oh, we can't handle this kid, they kick that child out. But if it's already after October 1st, that charter school has already cast the check from the state. Yep. That child, and they're sending that child off to a, a real public school that is now forced to, you know, bear the burden of educating that child to the highest ability that they can without the proper resources. If I had my way, we would not see another charter granted in the state of Texas. Mm. So let me ask you something, mm. Aurelia. Miss, we just might remix it just for a second. Yeah, yeah. So I I don't know, I don't know if I'm off base with this, but I've been seeing the the false hysteria driven by the whole critical race theory being taught to the children. And it just seems to me like all of this is part of the larger scheme of what you're saying is to completely defund public education. Yes. Like, do you think the two, do you like, do you think the two are connected? Like to get the parents upset enough to take their kids out of public school completely, you know, let them go to whatever charter school in their neighborhood, right. thus leaving the local schools that normally serve, like you said, black, you know, people of color, poor, leaving them like grossly underfunded. And then being able to point back to the school board and say, see, you're ineffective. We don't need mm-hmm. you anymore. Like, do you think like all those things are connected? Definitely. The privatization of prisons is just like the privatizations of public education. Oh, wow. come on. Come Oof. on. <laughs> These people will stop at nothing to make themselves um, even richer. It is yeah. how much money billions of dollars a billion dollar industry the prison industrial complex a billion dollar industry the charter school and private um school um institutions are are is what they are um and they're trying to figure out how to make themselves more money you know we've already got so this is them we've already got so much money coming in from affluent families but you know what these these low-income kids they need us too we should have them come to our schools, but how will we get money for them? Aha! Uh-huh. We'll make up issues going on in the public school system uh. <laughs> to, to get people to want to send their kid to a private school or a charter school, and then we'll force the government to pay us to educate them. There's no such thing as critical race theory. Critical no such race thing. Theory oh my God. Is, critical race theory is history. That's what it is. It's teaching kids history. Now, if you feel bad about the history that happened in this country, do something about it. Help end systemic racism. Help end uh, privatized prisons, which is just which is just um, which is literally private prisons. The prison industrial complex in general is just a grandchild of slavery, right? Ooh, the ins- right. The ins- of black men, the enslavement of black and brown men and women. Um, because at the time when, when, you know, when the Emancipation Proclamation happened, they didn't want to pay anybody. They didn't want to pay black people. They didn't want to pay, pay African people for their labor. Right. So 
instead of making the make instead of you know paying them for their for their hard work let's 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 weaponize and criminalize every trivial thing we can think of whistling at white people going mm. into a store not having any papers what, whatever they can think of let's, let's do mm-hmm. that so that we can fill the prisons and the, i mean even now victoria's secret come on now it ain't no yep. secret that those yep. panties were made by um black men for pennies on the dollar two three cents an hour ridiculous the one mm-hmm. that most enraged me was the firefighters especially last summer a couple summers ago when like all yeah. the west coast was on fire in california like, mm-hmm. they would get released from prison like just to go save calabasas or wherever and then have yeah. to go back to their cells and i like that just it made my blood boil like yes it is it is disgusting but um but all of this to say that you know there there are folks who are making it their business to make themselves even wealthier. They're just coming up with different ways to do it. You know, they literally sit, sit in a think tank to figure out how can I make myself and my friends richer? You know, let's privatize prisons. Let's, let's privatize education. They're, they're trying to um, privatize um, social services as well. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, before, before you know it, um, the entire WIC office is going to be privatized before you know it. The entire, um, you know, the entire um, Texas department of, of family services is going to be privatized. Um, and they they make up these reasons saying that, you know, that the, that um, public service, uh, public servants are not doing their job and it could be better handled by, um, you know, by corporations who, who have, um, these, these measures to be able to get the job done properly. When we know that their um, measures, their stock price. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I mean, to go back to what you said, critical race theory is not real. It's just teaching kids history. Um, and white fragility really has more to do with, um, this, this creation of race theory than (laughs) anything. You are, some people do not want to acknowledge that white privilege and privilege in general exists. And so in order to, you know, in order to, um, to not have to broach the subject, they would rather make things up like critical race theory. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a whole mess. Yeah. Do you feel, we're going to go back into the mess later, but let's, let's come to the surface. Let's take a little break. Are we doomed? Do you feel doomed? Or is there some hope? Like, are more folks like you running for office, getting elected? Like, do we have something to believe in? Or is it just, like, are we two votes away from, like, slavery, like, again? <laughs> no, I, I have, I definitely have hope. And I think that um, there are so many people that are, like, waking up to the, atrocities that are happening in our government. Um, I think that it's not happening at a quick enough rate, but I, but I haven't lost hope. There are teachers that are running left and right. Um, I'm running uh, a wonderful lady named uh, Michelle Palmer. She's running for state board of education. Um, she's a Democrat who's running unopposed for the primary. And so win or lose, win, lose or draw, I'm go- that, that woman is going to have my support and my 
my boots are going to be on the ground for her starting on March 2nd, because we need folks in office, especially in our school boards, to help battle things like critical race theory, you know, um, and she's one of the first people that will tell you, you know, that that it doesn't exist and that we need to acknowledge um, that this is just history that's being taught in schools. Um, and, and of course, we have folks like Cori, Cori Bush, um, who's a congresswoman um, in um, in Illinois, who's doing amazing work, you know, and we have progressives like um, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Yeah. And, you know, we have people that are real progressives that are make, making headway. Um, I think that we have to, um, we have to, we have to rile up the progressive, the progressive left because they're the establishment candidates, the establishment um, Democrats, Republicans, they're, they're doubling down, you know, and they know that um, progressive candidates are coming with, um, with ideals that are going to make the country better for all people, yeah. regardless of um, ethnicity, creed, race, gender, um, sexual identification, gender identification. Um, they know that, you know, that we're coming and we're putting pressure and we're not going to stop we're not going to take our foot, you know, we're not going to take our feet off of the next, off of the next of these people um, that wish to, you know, suppress us. Um, and so we just need more folks that are on board, especially folks that are willing to not only be the candidate and put yourself out there. We need those folks, but we also need people behind us um, that are willing to come out and put in the work at every, at every level of government, you know, because like um, if you're a household name, and you're a progressive candidate, you get a lot of support, you know? Yeah. Um, but state and local elections really, really matter. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, there are some there are some establishment candidates, there are some career politicians that are in my race that have gotten three and four times as much um, uh, financial contributions as, as my yeah. campaign. Um, and they have three to four as many volunteers out there working with them and for them. Oh, I'm sorry, let me let me say not volunteers, paid canvassers, my, uh. my, my working with me are, um, are volunteers. Um, but they have so much money that they can pay canvassers to go out there and, you know, share their message with the neighbors. Um, and so when you find a candidate that is the progressive candidate that speaks to the ideals that you like, we've got to understand you have to do the work. You know, you can't sit on your hands and say, oh, you know, I, I support AOC. I support Cori Bush. Um, I support Aurelia Wagner. Um, I, I, I honestly stopped telling, I stopped, I started to tell people, you know, don't even send money, you know, because there's no way that we're going to raise $90,000 like some of the other folks in my race, you know, we've raised $15,000, but we've been able to speak to, um, the same amount, if not more people than other people in the race, because I'm telling my, my friends, my family, the people who believe in me, other progressives, other people that are, you know, uh, progressive Democrats on the left just come out and block walk with me. Just come out and phone bank with me. I'll send you a list, send some text messages to some folks, you know? Um, you've gotta be willing to put in some work in order to, um, in order for us to have some some change. Yeah. Yeah, and that is what we need. Go ahead, Miss. Um, Aurelia, I don't know if you, this, um, there was a, there's a representative and I just had to look her up. Uh, her name is Jasmine Crockett. She was yeah. a, she's she was she's she was she is um a texas house uh texas state rep, rep from the dallas area yep 
And she was, um, she was kind of a progressive like firebrand during the last uh, legislative session. And mm-hmm. she, um, she, Congress. she's now ready for Congress, which we, we, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan. We're a huge fan of um, Rep, uh, Representative Crockett. One of the things that um, I think Texas Tribune and NPR did a report on her because she was getting, um, she was progressive and very, um, she was very firm in her beliefs. And so she was always on the, the house floor and, um, and, 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 you know, sharing passionately kind of about, about her perspective and like trying to represent um, her district as mm-hmm. best as she could. She was getting, there was like, she was getting pushback from across the aisle uh, in the state house. And so some of her like legislation was like suppressed basically was the report from the Tribune. Um, and so just thinking about, uh, thinking about Texas and thinking about like you going to Austin and you having to like maybe fight similar battles. Like, do you have a kind of a game plan for, how, you know, because we know that the, the bills that ultimately get brought forward have to go through like the committee process and then, you know, hmm. you know yeah. you're, you're eventually, I mean, you have to kind of, you have to work with, you know, the folks who are in charge of schedules and all that stuff. So what do you have a, like a game plan for how, you know, how to ensure that, that, um, that your, that your work kind of, and what you want to do kind of goes, goes forward in Austin. Right. So this question gets asked a lot. Um, see, the thing is, um, Texas, and I think we have an opportunity to, t- to turn Texas blue. Um, But until that happens, even in a Republican-led Senate and House, representatives still have an obligation to advocate for their community. And so that is my, above all else, no matter who I'm up against or what committees I am put on, my number one uh, responsibility is to advocate for the the people of 147, the 230,000 plus people that entrusted in me to represent them, um, to fight for you know equal and adequate access to healthcare, to fight for public education, to fight for um, you know safer neighborhoods, to to fight for our rights to vote. Those are the things that I'm going to advocate for, and that I'm gonna, I'm going to continue to press for, um, knowing that, like I said, in a Republican-led house. Um, not saying that there's not much you can do because marginal growth and marginal change is better than nothing. Mm-hmm. My plan honestly is to build up a network of people in Texas that are so fed up that when there is a representative from another side of the aisle, and let's not forget about corporate Democrats who go up mm-hmm. there and give themselves and their friends kickbacks as well, who are not on our team, who are basically just liberal Republicans. Um, those well, Honestly, no. <laughs> um, we've got to make sure that, um, that they know that the people are watching. And so my plan is really to build up a, a, a large base of, of, of constituents that are going to, you know, help me co-sign 
to the best of my to, to help co-sign to the best of our ability um the policies that we want to push forward you know put a lot of pressure put as much pressure as possible on folks from both sides of the aisle to let them know that this is what you know this is what residents this is what residents want um and so th that's really my plan is to advocate to uphold my responsibility but then also to bring to the attention of um of the folk of the representatives in austin that like this is what the people want you know mm -hmm. and here and here look at this pledge i've got twenty thousand people who are saying that you know they want a repeal of senate bill four senate bill mm -hmm. eight you know um so that is my that is my plan but it's going to be a, a an uphill battle um but furthermore that is definitely why we need everybody to get out and vote um for candidates that speak to your issues and mm -hmm. and and i know that most people in texas want health care most people in texas want um you know want proper funding for education um so these are not things that you know that the left is just making up or that progressives are, are making up. Everybody right. wants. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Yeah. Everybody sounds wants good. it, but we're gonna have to fight it from the cold, dead hands of corporations. Oh yes, oh yes. Like I, I, I would love, you know, Medicare for all and stuff, but I just, I know that they're not gonna go down without a fight. Like mm -hmm. we're gonna have to like, you know, all get together like Power Rangers for the definitely. Megazord and like, just, uh, you know. Yeah, most definitely. And that's the thing. Um, and I've heard some people say this. Um, and I mean, it is what it is. I'm going to say it. There are people who say that Republicans have the right idea when it comes to not backing down for what they believe. And there are some people that say that Democrats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, are too docile and that we like we've got to start speaking up like we've got to um we've got to in essence grab the hypoth you know grab the um grab the figurative pitchforks you know just like republicans do but because if we want to if here's the thing i know i'm on the right side of history that's right we all know we're on the right side yeah of history, but they're not writing about us in the history books because we are not yelling loud enough yeah, we watched, I, I mean, yeah. we all watched for four years how Republicans were in lockstep on issues and anybody like Mitt Romney or that Liz Cheney or them who dared fray from the flock, like had to face, like they had to walk the plank, right? Like yeah, if they weren't in accord with one another, getting up there lying about the peaceful protests on January 6th, like, Mm -hmm. it's over for you you know so yeah no democrats need more of that 100 i agree yeah mm -hmm. so really you were talking about what the people want and fighting for what the people want and these people would like to go to their local dispensary and purchase some cali trees and roll them up now <laughs> We know that Beto has announced in his platform about, you know, like legalizing, but a lot, a lot of times that's met with pushback, especially in the black community because of all of our brothers, cousins, friends who've been arrested for like having a little bit of weed, you know? 
And we found in an ACLU report in 2020 that nationwide black people were 3.6 times more likely than white people to be arrested for marijuana despite similar usage rates. Same rate. Yeah. So if like if you're elected and let's say, you know, rainbow sequence, you know, weeds legalized, like what will you work towards in terms of any kind of like legal justice for people who are currently uh previously incarcerated on like weed charges? Yeah, I was going to say um, to learn more about my stance on various issues, um, you can visit my website, which is AureliaWagner4Texas.com. And my name is spelled A-U-R-E-L-I-A-W-A-G-N-E-R. I will fight for and advocate for the legalization and decriminalization of cannabinoids in all forms. Um, and I believe that um, the country owes black and brown people um restorative justice when it comes when it comes to when it comes to this here's the thing um republicans and um the old guard that um you know that have been so against uh cannabis for you know the past 40 50 years um they have been standing on this because they've been waiting and getting their ducks in a row. <laughs> That's basically what they're doing. They're waiting for everything to become legalized. They are, you know, they're investing money in, in cannabis industry in California and Colorado. Um, and you can, you can best believe that there are Republicans in Texas who, who are stockholders, you know, in other states yeah. um, for, you know, for, for in the cannabis industry. Um, oh, Rick Perry's a shill, I think. Yeah, for, fully. <laughs> for the weed industry. Him and Miss, what was his name? He was the, I think he was the the Republican majority leader. He's on like some- Eric private, Yeah, he's part of the private equity, like Aurelia was saying in Colorado, that like bought weed Colorado. They're so fake. You're right. Continue. Yeah. Sorry. So they're, they're, they're waiting until, you know, everything is- um, all the you know uh i's are dotted and and the t's are crossed and once they can get it pushed through and and get governor abbott i pray that it's not but once they can get whomever to sign off you know there's going to be dispensaries opening up like like you've never seen and so my plan is um we've got to make sure that black and indigenous neighborhoods and low-income neighborhoods are given um grant opportunities for them to, for us to open up our own cannabis industry organiz- uh, companies, you know, and then also we need to have, um, I want to work with the um, agriculture commissioner. My hope is that it is Susan Hayes um, mm-hmm. so that we can get some urban farming initiatives, initiatives happening. Um, and, and this kind of goes into my, my vision for criminal justice reform um, because I don't believe that anybody wants to be a criminal. I think that people will feed themselves and their family by any means necessary. Absolutely. Um, it's very hard to pull yourself up by your bootstraps when you don't even have boots. And so yeah. we have to give people opportunities um, so that they can create a better life for themselves. Um, and this is one of those ways that we can do it. Black people and, um, and indigenous people of color need to be on the ground floor 
Um, and I mean, at, at this point, we're not on the ground floor because, you know, because affluent and white people are, um, they're, they're wheeling and dealing and they're, you know, they're laying the foundation at this point. Um, but we can definitely be there to put up the drywall, you know? Um, I think that it's only right that we, like I said, um, put in place some restorative justice um, aspects um, to the economic portion of the legalization of, of cannabis. We need to do it. I would love to go to like a community garden somewhere on the south side of Houston. And like, 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 oh, look at these beautiful bloods we're growing. This is a cross between, you know, whatever, indica, whoever. Oh, we can pick this for you and bag it up. Like, that'd be great. That's like yeah. utopia right there. <laughs> exactly. Okay. And then one more platform question, and then we'll get into the fun stuff. But we saw on your platform that you discussed preserving culture and history of like local communities. Obviously, this is does this extend to historically black neighborhoods? And is this kind of a response to like the boom of gentrification going on? I'm sorry. Can you repeat the question? Oh yeah. Um just in your platform, you mentioned preserving culture and history of communities. Mm -hmm. And obviously, like this extends to black neighborhoods, like historically black communities and neighborhoods around the city. But is that in response to like the boom of gentrification that we're living through? Yes, um, it's it's in response to the fact that um, housing is unaffordable, not only in 147, but within the Beltway. Um, yeah. If you are a young, middle income, low income, um, and I'm not even talking about someone whose um, income is unstable, but like, you got a decent job. You're, you know, things are going well for you. Your credit is is looking nice. You cannot afford to buy your first home in Houston. People have to go to Fresno and Brazoria County, and I mean, I know people who have, have who have had to go as far out as Galveston to purchase their their first home because it is so unaffordable in Houston. And um, and something has to be done about it. You know, um, there are these developers who are coming. And they're bringing this allure of, you know, uh, revitalization to the neighborhoods. Um, and then all of a sudden there's now park benches and, 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 and the bus stops now have right. uh, covered benches and, and trash cans and all of this. Um, and then instead of the home being uh, $170,000, they done split the lot up and then they put four homes in its place and all four of them or each $500,000. <laughs> Absolutely. <Yep. laughs> Absolutely. world is Grandma Anna supposed to pay her property taxes? She not. And that's what happens. It goes up for auction. And then before you know yep. it, they got the whole block. Yep. It, exactly. So, I mean, it, and this, this is happening in not only historic Black and Brown neighborhoods, um, in, in Houston, like Garden Villas and my neighborhood, South Park and in Third Ward, but it's also happening in neighborhoods like Freemanstown and Montrose. And as I've been out in the community, you know, there are folks in the Montrose area that are a part of my community, the LGBTQ community that have told me, you know, my partner and I have been here for 40 years, um, but we're about to move because we can't afford to live in our house anymore. I visited the, the Law Harrington uh, Senior Living Facility, which is located in Third Ward. 
um, and it's the first of its kind mm-hmm. um, because it houses, um, it's an LGBTQ affirming senior living facility. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I spoke with residents there who used to live in Montrose, but now they can't afford to live there anymore, you know? Wow. Yeah. So it's but- not just, you know, black and brown neighborhoods. These developers, like I said, it, it's, a, it's, Lord have mercy. Um, <laughs> corporate greed, capitalism is, I mean, I just, I can't stand it, but it is, it literally doesn't care about people. Right. Mm-hmm. People, people are put on the chopping block um, for money. Yeah. And it, it is in every neighborhood. Yeah. And I guess that's the point. Cause I can imagine like if all the original people who helped make mantras what it is are now suddenly gone that changes mantras that changes you know the vibes over there yeah Yeah. that's crazy i didn't even think of that miss did you have some experience with that like when you used to live over there yeah i lived in Montrose for um a couple years and um i mean they they've torn down like like swaths of of um Montrose between Westheimer and like Richmond or between Westheimer and Alabama and like built like completely ridiculously unaffordable like condos and stuff and it's just and then I mean you always heard about people like oh I have to leave like I have to move now because my rent is going up or like my a lot of it will be like the land my landlord sold this like our small like multi it's like a you know they're like eight to ten units they sold yeah they sold our like complex so now you know everyone has to leave so yeah yeah Uh. i mean i want to stand up and i want to fight and that's what i'm going to do but man i tell you i understand why some people in the neighborhood that i talk to in, in the neighborhoods i talk to say that they have lost faith in the government there have been people who are telling me um no i'm making plans to move to canada Really? I mean, we joke about it, but people are doing it. People are moving. Have you, I mean, Instagram, look at all these, especially black women. I don't know what it is, but we are going. Okay. I'm talking about Costa Rica, uh, Colombia, Puerto Rico. We're leaving. Over it. We're over it. it. I know. (laughs) So tired. Uh, Okay. Well, that was all we had. Miss, do you have any more questions? She said, really, you said everything we come on this show and complain about like every week. Um, that's why we're so excited to have you come on. And now for- I appreciate it. I appreciated yeah. the talk and I was glad to do it. Yeah. So as we said earlier, this is a Beehive podcast. Okay. So just for laughs, um, we asked all our guests, but like what version of Beyonce maybe are you channeling today? Like, are you formation tour Beyonce? Are you ring the alarm Beyonce? Like, who are you feeling? Mm, let me see. Let me see. What song did she do at the Super Bowl in all black? That was that was formation. I would say formation. Yeah. Okay. That was formation. Mm-hmm. Okay. I would, I'm going to say, I guess I would say formation. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to say, um, but if you really ask me what vibe am I, am I feeling today? And really from this week, 
Um, I'm going to say the entire Rihanna anti album. Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay, yes. baby. Yes. Come on. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I I believe because this is our show, we can we can do whatever we want. But anti was Rihanna's magnum opus. Um, agree. It was her best thing she ever did, and like cover to cover, it was great. Like cover I to. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know, I'm excited. I really feel like I'm part of the people who beg her for an album, but I know we're not going to get it. You know, no. we're going to get Fenty Baby. <laughs> you get Fenty Baby. You're going to get Fenty Baby. <laughs> so, you know. But and I'm here for, wait, I'm going to buy up all the little booties and onesies. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, this is great. Thank you for coming again. Thank Aurelia. you. Tell the people where they can find you, follow. Where can they yeah. be a part? So, so, oh, I, I, this, I have to say this. I'm sorry. I don't know how I uh, let this slip. The Texas primary, the last day to vote, or election day, rather, is on Tuesday, March 1st. Tuesday, mm-hmm. March. In Harris County, the polls will be open from 7 a.m. until 7 p.m. this Tuesday. So make it out to vote for your primary candidate. Um and you can reach me at my website, which is www.aureliawagnerfortexas.com. You can find me on Instagram, Aurelia Wagner for Texas. Um, the same for Facebook. And then on Twitter, it's Wagner for Texas. Um, I think that's it. Yes. That's everything. And, Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Bring you. To the show. When you win and you want to come back and, you know, Talk to the people some more. You can definitely call us. We're here. Absolutely. You know. Thank you so much. And maybe no matter what happens, like I said, there are some other really, really progressive candidates that I support mm-hmm. and, and I'm going to be helping them no matter win, lose, or draw. So maybe I can come on to introduce you to them and segue them into the session and you can have Absolutely. a conversation. We would love that. We would love that. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank- Y'all have a good one. You You too. too. All right.